What is up, Asymmetry? Yes, yes, yes. Yes to Peter Warren, one of my good friends uh, and, and just tremendous uh, influencers and inspirations in Bonsai as a collaborator, a professional whose approach I respect, an individual and human being who I just uh, love dearly. I got to catch up with Peter. It's been a while since we've wrapped. And, uh, you know, the motivation was basically I haven't talked or gotten to spend any time with Peter. And, um, and this pandemic has been, you know, challenging for all of us. But then beyond that, the heated discussion of pinching Japanese maples, knowledge about Acer palmatum, uh, and and then it just spiraled into just a grand old boneside discussion, as uh, as it usually does with this gentleman. Uh, if you have any interest in anything boneside related, this one's a good one for you. But specifically, if you uh, if you have questions around Acer palmatum, P- Peter breaks it down and goes through it in a way that's uh, that, that's really spectacular and, and accessible. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Peter Warren. Hello, hello. What's going on, Peter Warren? How you doing? How the heck are you? I'm alive. You? Ugh. Just continuing the onslaught, man. The boneside journey. <laughs> the boneside journey. Look at you with your Kinnet collection. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's great. Look at you with your tree makers. I know. I know, right? I think this is one of the coolest shirts in boneside. Kudos, mm. kudos to Hugh. Kudos to Hugh. What's going on? Been a hot minute. Same as always. Yeah. Mm. Is yeah, the UK still shut down, or are you guys functioning? Uh, no, we're 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 slowly opening up. I good for you. So I can go to the pub now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I think Thanks Oregon so. is in the process of shutting down again for like the fourth time. Mm. We go in, we go out, we go in, we go out, going back in. Yeah. Well, this last one was pretty pretty hard and long so hopefully we're we're out of the the worst of it now hopefully most people are getting vaccinated as well so yeah that's good yeah hopefully hopefully it helps um what time is it there 10 o'clock at at, at night or at night okay damn thank you thanks for thanks for staying up (laughs) okay papa's gotta sleep uh yeah we get it we can catch it when you can yeah no doubt about it yeah uh have you been have you been able to engage with bonsai on any sort of level that was reminiscent of pre-pandemic or like what is it what's it look Um, like for you i mean i just get snippets and kind of glimpses into your bonsai world but i we really haven't talked for quite a while it's been it's been a hot minute um in terms of working then there's nothing like pre-pandemic. Uh, I'm only doing, I did my first workshop last weekend for the first time in, since October, November. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a couple of days, like private individuals and a few people around to the house, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, but just working at home, really. Yeah. Yeah. H- uh, how's that been in terms of having the time to work on your own projects it's, and stuff? Uh, the first year I've ever done like repotting and got everything done like at the time it should be and nice. without panicking. Yeah. So it's all been good. Yeah. So it's like a relief to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a really bad year. Like uh, weather wise, it's just been, we're like a month behind where we were last year. Just cold and wet overcast. What, oh, what, what causes it's weird you to be because we've got, we've had really nice like daytime 
temperatures and like loads of sun, no rain at all. But then at night, we basically, I've been still getting frosts now, just light frosts. But it's like two, three degrees will be at night now. Wow. And it's wow. just, so it just puts the brakes on everything. So anything that's in the polytool is doing okay and yeah. just doing as normal. Yeah. And anything that's outside is just doesn't notice stick or twist, whether ah, it grow or stop. And it's the nighttime temperatures that are doing it. Does this periodically happen for you guys? Is this a, is this a, something that you've experienced before? Like we'll get late frosts every now and again, but like it's every night. Mm-hmm. This of April, it's just been it, like almost every night. We've barely had like a night where it's got above five degrees C. Wow. And the daytime temperatures are great. You know, some really nice sunny days, but just coldness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we... Uh... I've experienced two springs in the in the 11 years that I've been at Mariah in the spring like this one uh where it it just has been like super beautiful we're well below precipitation levels we actually had a fire mm. ban on in the middle of April which usually the wow. middle of April is like one of the wettest times in the year um and we've hit like 85 85 degrees multiple times already so it's uh it's it, the trees like have never looked better <laughs> which is like oh yeah this is why uh this is why you know people in california can grow bonsai so well because <laughs> this is every year whereas we get this yeah. two out of every 11 years um, yeah. and it comes with sacrifices but this year's been kind of crazy as well and and now it and now it's kind of like slumping back into like the overcast gray rainy wet high relative humidity after everything starts to grow which is like, well, that's disease central, you know, as it typically mm. exists in the Pacific Northwest. So it's a little concerning and whatnot, but, but it's been a pretty prolific spring. And I, I, I guess I, I have had the same experience you have, which is like, I've never come closer to actually getting repotting done than I, than I did this year. And we're still repotting actually, which mm. is like, uh, which is, which is a new experience as well. Yeah. I saw that one you put in the, in the Tom Bender pot. Right. Right. Yeah, and these are trees. These are trees that, um, you know, we had like the red lava. We had uh, the compost extract issues. Like we're we're trying to get through all of the unhealthy trees uh, as Mm. well, and they're all slow to grow, anyways, um, because they're just not as strong as the the trees in the garden that aren't weren't impacted as heavily. So, getting it changed out and kind of working on the soil system has been a biggie for us, and uh, we've made some pretty significant progress. So, which is really freaking exciting good yeah 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 but i'm interested in this uh pro bio carbon stuff like we've talked about it before but it seems like this is an actual possibility of is that we're actually potentially looking at it being something that may have the capacity to make its way across the pond yeah it is on its way to you so yeah nice nice and um how did this all come about for you um it was quite fortuitous in a sense. There was um, uh, a bonsai enthusiast over in Ireland uh, by the name of Michael Guerin, and he, um, I've been involved with him for, for a couple of years um, through Ian Young as well, bonsai Egypt. And uh, after your first podcast on the soil science thing, like that kind of piqued his interest a little bit. He's always looking, one of those people is always looking for that, like, extra five percent gain type thing mm-hmm. and 
he happened to go to a like a trade fair, horticultural trade fair, and the uh, the, the lady, the doctor who's come up with this this product, um, was had a like a stall there. She was just starting out on her business, uh, and he got talking to her and um, realized that there was a possibility for using a bonsai. Um, and then through discussions with me and Ian kind of like tweaked the formula a little bit to kind of make it a little bit more suited for bonsai. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, yeah. wow. oh. Troy, Troy says hello. Troy, hey, Troy says, how you uh, doing? He says hello. Nice beard. <laughs> he likes your beard, Troy. <laughs> that made him feel good. Nice. <laughs> like, uh, yes. yeah so <laughs> and then just um like a couple of years of trials sort of thing and just seeing that was nothing like no hideous uh results coming out of it and then like this year's been the first kind of like spring where it's been really widely commercially available and lots of people have been using it and seeing some good very good effects yeah, I was just making, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful as I was no, on no. my phone while we were talking. You reminded me uh, that that um, I would I would like to podcast with her and get the lowdown because I have so many questions yeah. about it. But I, I think my biggest question is, first and foremost, it, it's an Irish product, right? Yeah. So, you know, Ireland, uh, the UK in general, uh, and then the Pacific Northwest all share wet overcast damp conditions which is like really challenging to get products to work the same in this environment than in like a sunny sunny mediterranean environment like spain italy france or california it's just totally um and it's a bacteria which bacteria thrives in high moisture environments and fungi not not as much right so like all of this push towards beneficial fungi is like kind of kind of a challenge in the pacific northwest mm. in a containerized environment and that really intrigued me as like oh a bacteria that's beneficial which i know they exist but i don't have a lot of knowledge about them uh coming from an environment that has similar conditions it, it seems like it could be pretty magical yeah yeah and it, it seems to be working very well with some species definitely um anything prunus um mm. anything like from the rose family absolutely is just like gone ballistic on it in terms of like flowers and uh, just like sending out adventitious buds and stuff off the trunk. They seem to be really working. Um, all the most of the deciduous trees just seem to back bud like crazy. Uh, pines not seen like crazy uh, results on it, um, although um, you know a few extra back buds perhaps. But junipers as well seem to be. I, I did some pretty brutal repots on some some junipers, and they just didn't really sort of skip a beat mm-hmm. as a result of that. Um, and they all seem to be kind of like um, doing well. One of the things that I sort of just kind of noticed last year, a few people that had used it, like the the juniper forage appeared to be. And then this this could just be kind of like wanting to see that, but it did appear to be kind of like tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it was all on like Itoigawas and they all just seem to be that little bit more kind of like, uh, just denser and tighter, Yeah, which would be interesting. So I've done, I've done a couple of kind of like trials with, you know, the same genetic material, uh, cuttings, you know, so treated some and then not treated others and basically growing them side by side. See if we can sort of see any kind of like actual difference by the end of the year. Yeah. That's interesting. But, 
observation currently observational and, and yeah probably, probably hopeful right but the the trials that she's done um in like horticultural and like um agricultural settings of all you know higher yields of of potatoes and uh denser broccoli and stuff like that so if you can get denser broccoli then you can get denser foliage there you go no doubt about it Um, says similar i I think i think like the it does look like broccoli i i think the whole (laughs) like the whole thing for me uh when i look at it the the lasting impression that i took away from ian's uh you know podcast on on Mm -hmm. the, the biology and the and the soil system, et cetera, soil science was, listen, if you can add more carbon to the system, uh, mm. everything's going to benefit. And, yeah. you know, then it brings about the biochar discussion and the addition of charcoal to the soil substrate and all that. And it's like, well, not all of that is created equal. Not all of that exactly functions in the yeah. way that you want it to. So this, this being a beneficial bacteria, see, this, it also makes sense like that you wouldn't see it functioning in the pines as mm. much because bacteria is such a rapid yeah. rapid mover and fungi is such a slow mover and pines typically tend to yeah. you know symbiotically exist with fungi and so this bacterial maybe it doesn't have the correlation that it does with more rapid water mobility like the deciduous or junipers mm. that are you know domesticated or moving a lot of water but but i i'm, I'm so st- psyched to try it just because yeah, was, um the one the, the the issue was that the, the the initial product that she was making was very kind of like unstable. It needed to be kept refrigerated because mm-hmm. um, it was just a liquid. Um, so basically, like you could only like twenty four hour shipping, anything longer than that, and you just start to have you know the, the numbers of the bacterial start to to, to drop down. Um, uh, but she's been able to kind of um, uh, dry them out, so create a like a, essentially a powdered version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the number, like after it gets kind of like rehydrated, the numbers are the, the sort of the same. So hopefully that will, um, still have the same results and everything. So, yeah, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Always happy to try it. I mean, right now we're, um, right now we're kind of working with, uh, uh some gypsum experiments to remove impurities and mm. trees that have been in containers for a long time. Cause we found with the compost extract the trees that were most negatively impacted were the trees that were super, super refined and had a lot of, uh, had a really dense root system. That's those seem yeah. to be the ones that took the biggest hit. And, and what I'm finding, you know, is the impurities that accumulate in the bonsai container over the course of time, whether it's accumulation of phosphorus or potassium from balanced feed, which, you know, depending on where you're at and what soil you're using can be a good thing or a bad thing or um, the accumulation of carbonates from hard water, all, all of that stuff over the course of time seems to take a greater effect the longer that it's in the system. And gyps- yeah. gypsum is a scrubber, right? It's like a, a chemist, chemi- chemistry uh, like um, uh, removal system because it frees up. But the other thing that we've been playing with, because we, we deal with the conditions in the Pacific Northwest, and I don't know if you deal with this in the UK, but I would assume Phytophthora has got to be something that's a real consideration no not not really no 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 it's interesting yeah but we don't have the same kind of like uh you know native junipers and stuff uh that you do and the the scots pines for example don't seem to get any type of they're not as badly affected by fungal diseases as well so our native species don't tend to be uh like the common juniper does 
Um, but that doesn't get used for junior, for, for bonsai anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. I know, I know that the 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 you know phytophthora are naturally occurring here in the Pacific Northwest. It just is. Yeah. It's floating around in the air. Spores are, you know, and it's uh, across a large majority of I would say North America. There's phytophthora flo- floating in the air. Now, obviously, like yeah. um, you don't want the big thing. Like one of the big differences with like the UK or all of Europe and and Americas, you, you you still got wilderness there. You have just vast tracts of never touched land. Yeah. Whereas there's like 0.1 percent of the UK that's that's never been touched by man. Like our entire, you know, we live in an urban area, so we don't have that same kind of bank of diseased trees that are just sitting in the wild. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, you and you tend to see people who do live out in the wild do get affected by you know juniper tip blight for example or you know more fungal disease and things like that because it's just more prevalent but if you live in a big city it's, you, there aren't the same carriers around so yeah yeah this is this is something that um when akiyama was here and you were here long ago and we were dealing with the root aphid thing like he, <laughs> he had brought up and i'd never thought i'd never drawn that correlation that like oh the fact that I'm surrounded by a second growth forest that's 120 feet tall and, mm. you know, like I'm, I'm not in a concrete jungle. I'm definitely in like a temperate rainforest. Like it's, it's just raining down biology, both good and, and bad, you know, like in a lot and honestly quite a, quite a bit of bad, like, uh, mm. it just is what it is. Um, it's rich with beneficial uh aspects obviously and biology is abundant but man that comes with that comes with its own set of challenges for sure and a real lack of control you hear that you hear that ringtone right there yeah that's what it sounds like when somebody calls bonsai marai wow yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it uh, shows that ringtone uh i don't know that's a good question but i know that the flip phone that we have as the uh as the business phone is pretty low tech. It's pretty low tech. Well, so that it's... might be the best we get. <laughs> it pretty well suits you, you know. Uh, I, I feel like <laughs> it, it, it highlights my chipper personality. Uh, and your technological ability as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Never... At least you've got, like, I, I don't have, I even have a landline. So. <laughs> Oh, something just happened to your camera and it went like full blurry. Did it? Uh, yeah. It like zoomed, okay, zoomed out, zoomed in. Oh, there we go. Wow. Um, look at you with your tech. With my tech? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a camera. Auto zoom. That's nice. Are you still, now, uh, are you still producing your, your weekly no. streams? What, what happened with that? Uh, Several people have asked me about it. They're like, what's yeah, going no, on, Peter? Yeah, people keep happened? asking me. Okay. Uh, time restraints yeah and i it kind of like it, it served a purpose that kind of initial like lockdown helped people get through and gave i don't know a bit of a focal point for people in the in the bonsai community over here uk um but then just time and other stuff life gets in the way and yeah yeah it was just just too much yeah like the garden was suffering a bit last year as a result of time deprivation and just got a I just had to make decisions yeah fair enough and you know like I 
YouTube's not a great, not a great uh, platform. I don't like it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't really willing to, or couldn't really fathom getting into anything bigger. So it just, I mean, I was still interested in doing some videos and things like that, but I need to find somebody to do it for me because I, I, I don't, I'm, I don't have the interest or the ability to do everything. Yeah. 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 I respect yeah. that. Yeah. It's you, you stick to what you're good at and like it was an interesting challenge to do it all, but you know, sitting and making all the content, doing all the, the live streaming yourself live and trying to do everything. is just like, it was just too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely adding a second career. It was, and it's, it was, there was just too much and looking after a small child at the same time, who was becoming increasingly mobile. (laughs) It was uh, was very hard. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's, I, I I totally hear where you're coming from. And there's, there's, there's there's just, there's so much content out there. It's Mm. just like, you could sit down and watch bonsai 24 seven if you wanted to. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different takes on bonsai right now, certainly. Yeah. Um the one of the things that I wanted to ask you in terms of this time of year and application of technique, hot topic, pinching of Japanese maples. Because um I I, I was always under the impression and I could be wrong because Mr. Kimura, everybody knows he's not a Japanese maple specialist, right? And I, I just, I have books and I have resources and I have a, a, a bland knowledge of physiology. What was always told to me is when you pinch a Japanese maple, it keeps the internode from elongating, mm. right? And, and, and I haven't actually observed that. But that's not to say that that's not actually what happens. My observation of it, though, is, is that that internode with that first flush is always going to be coarse on a Japanese maple. But you have so much more experience with Japanese maples that I wanted to ask your opinion of that and impression of that and, 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 and the purpose for pinching Japanese maples. Well, I mean, like if you're looking to try and keep internet short, like just, just expecting pinching to be the one and only technique that you use to achieve that is, is, you know, you, you're asking to, try to do too much mm-hmm. you know like it's, it's it's combined with everything like in terms of fertilizing like how much you fertilized the year before how much you're fertilizing in the spring if you're doing any at all if you've repotted it how long it's been you know like how mature the root ball is mm-hmm. just how kind of like how much of the breaks you've been applying to it so if you've got a tree which is still kind of like actively growing quite vigorously you know and then you repot it and you then that, that first flush is always going to be coarse. Whereas if you've got like a, a tree which has been in slowly sort of moving towards a refinement stage and the repotting is less and less invasive every time, you know, and you're leaving it say three years rather than two years between repots or four years if you can leave it, then it's always going to become that first flush is always going to be a lot less mm-hmm. aggressive. Um, but yeah, just expecting kind of like pinching to to do everything for you is is going to be, you know, you're not going to get the same results. But yeah, I mean, some years like you can get on top of it and pinch really well and sort of um, and, and and keep a tight tight growth. And other years, um, 
you can leave it, you know, to, to extend off a couple of, of um, leaves and you know, a couple of nodes and still it's still relatively tight. So it's, it's, I think definitely for the smaller trees, you've got to get in there and pinch as soon as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're pruning, take out any kind of like any strong branches and always kind of like favor the weaker areas to try and keep that, those energy levels down so that it doesn't have the kind of like the impetus to, to burst out. But you, you're always sort of struggling, I think. It feels, it feels to me, the discussion of maples feels to me a lot like the decandling of pines. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you just decandle the pines and you're going to get shorter internodes. And yeah. if you're not controlling fertilizer and if you haven't put it inside of a, you know, bonsai container that controls the amount of strength being generated, it's like, nah, it, it actually, you can have longer second flush you can have a longer yeah. second flush than first flush if you handle it incorrectly, which uh, which is yeah. where what you're saying is it's like a combination of all of the applications. But I think like it's the danger it's the danger of saying the way that you accomplish short internodes on a Japanese maple is by pinching, and it's like you know this is what's led to this sort of greater expansion of awareness of like the stage that it is in in the bonsai container. Like you said, you do super invasive repots, and you're going to get a massive or a, a pretty lopsided vigorous push after that and, and you're trying to do less and less invasive repots as you refine a root system much like you're trying to prune less and less of the tree as you're getting more and more refined branching because the bigger you prune the bigger the tree's going to respond and the smaller you prune the smaller it's going to respond right yep. but you also have like this finite uh, uh, balance between the roots and, and the canopy of the tree where these lesser and lesser actions in the roots have ripples in the canopy and the lesser and lesser actions in the canopy have ripples in the roots and pinching, it seems to me over the course of time, combined with the way that you repot and the handling of the roots and the way that you prune and the handling of the canopy and the way that you fertilize and the handling of supplemental nutrition is constantly creating bifurcation, bifurcation, bifurcation that when you compile all of that over the course of five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, you have such a, a even distribution uh, of such a across such a broad swath of fine ramification that longer internodes and shorter internodes uh really what pinching did was continue to create opportunities for distribution distribution and dilution of the energy across a greater number of branch tips yeah yeah and that's the same i mean again the the, the analogy you're making with uh with pines as well i mean the more buds you have on a pine the shorter yep. the needle's going to be the more and it's the same with, with the, the Japanese maples, the more branches you have the, and the tighter the pot that you can get it in and the less resources you can kind of like give it but keep it healthy, the further the energy gets spread and the, and the shorter the needles become, or the shorter the, the nodes become yeah. uh, and stuff like that. So, and there's everything that you do plays into that uh, in terms of um, defoliation or leaf cutting, you know, reducing leaf size in the, in the summer or do you defoliate and get it to flush again on um and even stuff like uh the amount of sunlight that they're getting when they're when they're leafing out are you growing them in a polytunnel in the greenhouse or are you leaving them to, to grow outside if you get you know three weeks of really cloudy overcast weather when it's leafing out you're going to get longer nodes because they just stretch out mm-hmm. um but if it's really bright and sunny then you'll tend to get shorter nodes yeah yeah um and it's like 
there's, there's so many different factors that, that, that sort of come into play with it. It's, it's hard to, 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 to put one, what's that, like the most important thing of it, but it's just like that concept of spreading the energy around further and just like managing that energy is something which goes across all species. And if you can understand that with one, then you can apply it to another with, you know, sort of, tweaks of understanding but essentially you're trying to do the same thing yeah where do where do japanese maples rate for you in terms of species that you enjoy working with you enjoy you enjoy palm very high yeah 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 there's a, there a tree which are pretty easy to grow here they don't mind like the overcast conditions too much um there's no uh, i mean apart from a little bit of aphid at this sort of time of year which is very easily dealt with there's no issues that we have uh they're resilient you know you, they can be like uh they can lose all of their foliage uh, with a late frost you know like if we had one now and all my maples got all their foliage annihilated they're not going to die on me mm-hmm. yeah they'll, they'll be knocked back a bit but they'll come back um and you can get good results in five six years from from uh from pretty raw materials so hmm. yeah I, I i like them a lot and they're also a good tree like to 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 without you don't need to put loads and loads of wire on them right 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 right, right. You, can get, you can get some real nice kind of like natural looking images just through pruning alone and that's uh appealing to me now, when you talk about the the leaf cutting, where you're you're kind of decreasing the surface area, and you're saying you're doing that in the summertime, when do, when do you do that, and why do you do it at that time? Uh so particularly sort of cutting like half the leaf, or uh, even with with going down to showing like four fifths of the leaves off, um, the larger leaves on the out, outer part of the tree. Um, realistically kind of like once the leaves have hardened off but so i mean they'll start to harden off say like june time but you know so around about then uh would be the would be the timing of it and it's just to uh achieves two things it, it puts breaks on the outer outer part of the tree in terms of their ability to generate energy um and it allows more sunlight and in particular airflow uh, to the inner parts of the tree and so you, you really like that airflow is the is the important kind of aspect to it because it stops things from from dying off in the inside from lack of air um and it's just just that kind of it's the same with like you know taking needles off strong areas on pines you know you reduce the needle density on the on the tips of pines and it they can't generate as much energy as, as if they had 20 needles yeah you know, if they've got 10 so it's, this, it's that same kind of reducing the surface area yeah the, the, the whole the whole physiological discussion when i was in my first year with mr kimura uh we went to yamuchi son my my senpai at the time who didn't finish his apprenticeship but uh but i really valued our, our time together because he was super helpful and just helping me understand every aspect of this mysterious thing of apprenticing but he took me to like uh like a uh, New Year's party at uh, Akimoto Son's place, and there was a guy there saying, "You know, what's good and bad about studying with Mr. Kimura?" And obviously, I'm not going to, you know, vocalize my opinion. But I said, "I, I would would like to know more about deciduous trees." And he said, "You know, in the end, once you understand one species really well, it kind of it kind of uh, reverberates in every species that you work with." And of course, at that time, I was like, "What are you talking about? Like decandalin a pine? How does that have to do with?" 
partial defoliation of a deciduous tree or any of that stuff but but ultimately Mm -hmm. it is the same mechanism right like most people think you thin leaves to get light to the interior of a tree but you gotta get carbon dioxide into those pieces if they're going to produce sugars and starches that continue to contribute to the system and that's that airflow mechanism in a pine or a maple And, and and some of those nuances are 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 you know as you look at the physiology i think as much as people accept like um these really crass or 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 blunt uh instruments for knowledge about bonsai it's like well that that you know just pinching isn't going to make a shorter internode just decandling doesn't give you shorter needles necessarily it's like a s- such an all-encompassing system and uh playing more with deciduous we actually have a deer fence now at mirai which is like Good. <laughs> the best which is like the best thing i've done in in the past 10 years here is build a deer fence uh so it's been interesting to see the trees and get to play with the deciduous model and not worry about it just being mowed down by by unpredictable <laughs> uh organisms in the environment hey, but if they're doing it at the right time of the year they could be uh reducing your 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 labor there it's true yeah, get right them, get them to do it <laughs> but, but, but this is the thing this is what i was going to ask you though because like you know the 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 thought process that's kind of entered my mind recently is like okay you know there's a lot of discussion i know andrew robson's been talking a lot about how a lot of japanese deciduous bonsai practitioners put the deciduous trees into wood boxes once they get to be very old to reinvigorate the tree um mm. as it starts to get you know kind of tired or run down or and um and that that's a major technique. And it's like, uh, you know, I never, I never went to Fuyo Inn and saw trees in wood boxes. And that's not to say that mm. it doesn't mean it's being done. Or, or, or maybe this is something because like Mr. Kamur used to say, listen, deciduous trees kind of, kind of hit a peak in their lifespan and, and, and then tend to decline. And, and so like, uh, the, you know, the wood box discussion as far as, as deciduous trees are practiced in Japan was something that I wanted to ask you about. Like, do you know about this? Do you see this? Uh, is this a new thing? Is this something that's always been there? And, and, and how is it beyond just like sort of some broad brushstroke of how it's utilized sort of the nuanced application of these wood boxes? Well, what Mr. Kamura is saying about like, you know, maples and things hitting a peak is very true. Um, and sort of going back to the, the point about kind of like spreading the energy thinner and thinner and thinner uh, once you get more and more ramified trees. There's a, there's a finite point to, to when the, those branch tips are becoming so lignified and the extensions on them are becoming so small, like the efficiency of those branch tips starts to reduce down to, to, to very little. And they start, that's when they start to become weaker and like a small problem that, that like, you know, you, you miss watering one day, like a young tree can, uh, you know, it can, it can wilt and not problem. It can pick, pick itself back up, you know, whereas those older trees that are less efficient, they, they, you'll start dropping branches. That you look at it wrong. Um, and that will happen if you ramify a tree too much, or if you hold it in that show perfect condition for too long. Uh, and so you do have to keep kind of like rejuvenating it. And one of the things I always say to, to, to a lot of my students and stuff is like how can a you know you a bonsai tree be a thousand years old uh, and still be growing it's like because you're always keeping those branch tips and the root tips like a year old mm-hmm. what's happening in between isn't really important but as long as you keep those branch tips and the root tips like growing a year old then the tree will be okay 
and once you get into that really highly ramified stage and you're really kind of holding it back and putting the brakes on it you'll stop you know you're, you're basically making those that year old section smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and that's when you start having problems uh and a good sort of uh deciduous grower should be able to sort of see that coming uh and just make smaller smaller like you, you mentioned it back you make small prunes rather than making having to make big prunes uh and you know going through like a, a, a you're making that backwards and forward cycle of, of rejuvenating and and then slowing it down much smaller mm-hmm. um and the good deciduous growers will, will sort of see that what will you know that wooden box technique to rejuvenate a tree is good for is the trees that haven't had that and have just been allowed to to, to, to go too far um, and then had maybe some, um, you know, user malfunction right. with watering that happened to them and, 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 and have gone downhill just a little bit too far. Yes, yeah, it seems to me like the wood box is almost, it's not like a routine thing. It's almost like a, no. sh- we really screwed up and now we're, and now we're kind of uh, going, not going yeah. back to the beginning, but we're like, we're trying to salvage, we're trying to reinvigorate. And it seems like if you were mm-hmm. making small changes over the course, and this this is really where with conifers too, like, you know, Rocky Mountain Junipers, Ponderosa Pine at Mariah, I was seeing how far can I push them, leaving them in, in a container before I repot them again. And again, if you, it's no different from a deciduous tree. It just takes longer to get there. Where if you leave them in there too long and the mm-hmm. root tips start to atrophy or, or, or not be produced at, at that uh, really water-conductive uh, rate and quantity for the canopy that you've created, then the branch tips start to get really weak, the roots start to deteriorate, and you start moving in the opposite direction. And that's a real problem, right? And I didn't know, nobody ever told me that, like watching Mr. Kimura in his garden, and we would repot certain established trees at certain times. And most of the time, it seemed to me like he was making the decision on how firm the soil system had gotten and how water mm. was moving through it. But it wasn't like, was there ever a limitation to how far you could go and what was that limitation? It's only now having gone too far on certain trees and then seeing what happens and seeing what it looks like to recover that scenario. It's like, oh, okay, here, here are the limitations and they lie inside of the bumper rails that I thought that I was playing mm. with, right? But, but like such a valuable the accumulation of knowledge over experience and wisdom doing it so much more valuable than somebody being like, you can't do this because you don't know what it looks like to do that. Mm-hmm. But like the interpretation always when we look at techniques in Japan in the Western world is like your best guess. And, and oftentimes it's a miss in terms of why mm-hmm. things are being done and how it's being utilized and how prevalent it is. And it seems to me like the wood box, yes, it's a technique, but it's not necessarily a technique that you want to lean on because you'd hopefully be correcting that before you got to the point where you need the wood box i would think yeah but it's i mean it's one of those like it's a knife edge that kind of like pushing it to the the edge of the ramification you are really kind of like walking a very fine tightrope and you can easily drop off like particularly in the western world where uh we don't have people looking after bonsai 24 7 and things like that you know that life gets in the way and 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 that even that that happens in japan as well i mean it's 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 a knife edge precipice that you you you're going over and the and so it is it it shouldn't have it shouldn't happen but it does and like happens all the time yeah sure um like for example i've got the, the customer um mentioned before michael he we imported a tree from japan from him and like the importation process hit it pretty hard and 
you know, that could just be, that could have been anything as, as simple as just like where it was placed in the refrigerator container. Like it was just getting too much cold air onto it or it wasn't getting enough or something, you know. Uh, and, you know, that's gone into a, into a wooden box this year just to, just to kind of like re rejuvenate it a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things, but it, it's, you know, it shouldn't happen, but it does. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Well, and I, it's not a discussion. Look, like, man, if you cultivate bonsai long enough, you're probably going to mm. make every mistake that's possible. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like as a bonsai professional, yeah, you know, I'm such a failure as a bonsai professional because I just royally, honestly, fuck up things so much. That's like, yeah, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to know more than this. I'm supposed to be better yeah. than this. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, but you're playing with a real complex system and you're playing with it from the perspective of not just cultivating a healthy plant, but manipulating it aesthetically to look good while doing it. And like, that's a, that's a, that's a, the knife edge exists in every, I feel like, axis of bonsai. Yeah. And then once you've got that and you're going into the refinement stage, then you don't move away from that knife edge. It just becomes a different one. Right. Right. You know, right. So you, you do like high risk procedures in the, in the first, like, you know, that first repot from Yamadori into, into a bonsai container and then the big bends and things like that. And you think of that as being, oh, God, everything's finished now. And I was like, no. And once you start going into that kind of slowing it down stage, it's still a knife edge. It's just a different one. Yeah. It's not going to be, uh, bending and it's snapping that kills the tree it's the kind of like oh we've left it two years too long before repotting or right. you know i uh, left it one day too long before watering and, and it's just tipped it over the edge interesting but that's, super that's what interesting. makes that's what makes bonsai interesting yeah is that, that we're always on a knife edge always on a knife edge yeah and the pursuit of understanding of understanding like mm. wa wanting to i want to have a grasp of it right like i want to I want to know one of the things we've doubled down on is testing, like uh, just la mm. lab testing, soil analysis, uh, tissue analysis. I, it's just like so many mysteries of symptoms, indications, behaviors, good and bad. Mm. And like, what what is causing that? Why does this? Th why is this thing so healthy? You know, what the hell is mm. going on in the soil system that this tree's healthy? Exact same tree, exact same soil, uh, same species, same location, and the two are different. It's like. Yeah. you know it's a it's a complexity that will forever be a mystery to most of us yeah yeah and then like the genetics of it are so um important as well yeah you know like the just the genetics across trident maples for example you know like all grown from seed and they could just be tiny little differences and they can have like one of the things you see like when we have this sort of weather is you know the trident maples if they get a bit of frost on them they're that soft tender growth just tends to like curl up and get a bit blackened and stuff like that. and then you could have two trees right next to each other and one of them does and one of them doesn't and it's just like yeah you know yeah what's the difference and yeah it, and, it, and, it, and it does it every single year you know and it's like yeah it's just like smashing your head against the wall sometimes but you know some trees are, are destined to be bonsai and other trees aren't do you pinch your trident maples like you do uh, Japanese maples? How do you handle that? Depends on how coarse they are. I've got one which has been worked on for a number of years and is, is settled down and it's become a bonsai and it knows what it's supposed to do. And I don't really have to pinch it that much. Um, but then stuff that you're in, that's in development and it's still racing away and it's still quite coarse. 
um i've i've pinched those this year um because they're i'm kind of like the, the getting now getting them into a a more ramified stage and wanting that short node length rather than branch thickness and mm-hmm. uh and that sort of thing interesting so but yeah, you, I've pinched them pretty much the same, but they don't tend to extend out, or they shouldn't if you've got a good variety. Uh, they shouldn't tend to kind of like extend off rapidly if you've got good ramification on them. Mm-hmm. Which is also a product of repotting and frequency and severity of all of that. The same conversation and, applies, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also picking, picking a winner as yeah. well. That's, yeah. That tends to help. So now the yeah. genetic discussion, although we've had it, there's been discussion of genetics, I think, more and more. This is something that Fujikawa really sort of hammered home for me. Like, look, the, the best trident maples in Japan are as much genetic selection as 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 quality yeah. of technique and application. And, and I don't think, you know, at least in the United States, I'm sure there's some people that are, are that tuned in and keyed into the behavior of deciduous trees but i don't think the vast majority of people recognize that like genetic selection is as much of a contributor i mean you can't have good genetics and bad technique and you can't have a good technique and bad genetics and make the kind of tight ramification that you know has has become sort of this reference in the japanese model you you got to have both i i I would think absolutely yeah and there there are some people out there who will naturally kind of understand that um and they're just good plants people they're like a a good they just intuitively get it yeah they just intuitively know and, and and things like that and other people who you know you could point it out to them uh until you're blue in the face and they just just won't be able to see it yeah they just see a trite maple yeah and it's but yeah. it is a very important thing let me ask you something else about Japanese maple, just because I, I'm 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 like uh, you know I'm I'm observing it. Um, I'm I'm working on it on some really good trees here. Is there a point when you get to that really highly refined stage where it's highly ramified, and we're talking about keeping the root tips invigorated, the the branch tips invigorated? Is there a point where like? you have so much ramified growth that you're actually fertilizing in the spring because you just have so much plant mass and, and fer- um, fertilizer application is what's necessary to keep that strong and functioning. I guess I've never, I'd, I've never achieved that. <laughs> I basically would not fertilize any of like, and client trees as well. There's no, there's nothing that gets fertilized other than stuff that's, you know, you're wanting to push, push, yeah. push, push. Yeah. Nothing gets fertilized in the spring. Uh, to be honest i don't really fertilize my own trees in the autumn as well i mean like my maples don't get a lot at all if anything really i mean seaweed and a bit of fish emulsion and stuff like that but no pelletized you're not driving you're not uh, driving heavy growth in the fall not really because that's again that's that's what's storing the energy for that first flush of growth in the spring so it's you know you you want to sort of ease off the i mean it's it's like if you're riding a horse and you're smacking it with a whip saying go, but then you also pull him on the reins to say stop. So like, well, what's going to happen? You're just going to, you're going to get bucked off and trampled <laughs> on by a horse who's really confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, you try to do two things. You're telling him to do one thing and try to do another thing with it. So it's, yeah. you know, like uh, trees don't need that much feed. Once you get into a refined stage, you've got to try and keep it off as much as possible it's it's your worst enemy in in in, with for some stages of of bonsai development for sure yeah that's interesting that's really interesting because dennis when dennis voitio was here he's like i i feed i feed 
you know, after the growth hardens off in the spring, and I might feed like one or two more times through the like late spring, early summer. And then he's like, I don't really feed in the fall, and I certainly don't feed as they're growing in the spring. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, no, that's interesting. But like, and this is why I ask you because again, when Fujikawa was here, he was talking about how 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 some people handle Japanese maples in Japan is to feed the living. I mean, just like feed the living crap out of them in the spring as yeah. they're pushing. And then before the new leaves even harden off to fully defoliate them. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like this, this, ma- you just jack the tree full of energy on its natural yeah. water. Yeah. You mobility. see that with like, there's some growers like that down for sure down in um, Nagoya who kind of approach it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, but you lose that delicacy. Mm-hmm. It all depends on what you're going for. Like if you're going for like big thick trunks and big thick branches and that, you know, that sumo foot and big thick trunk and you know stuff like that, then that's how you do it. You know, but if you're going for, um, if you're going for delicate, really refined and sparse branching, I mean, I, I, like I like the, the, the maples with, with quite sparse branching. Like as long as the nodes aren't too long, I don't really mind that. Yeah, that's my, you know, I, I'm not looking for like super tight unnatural kind of growth i mean deciduous trees for me particularly thinner trunk ones should always be light and airy yeah and so super tight dense ramification isn't uh, an aesthetic desire uh in that situation but if you are looking for that big thick trunk then you've got to jack them up and grow them like crazy so yeah that's fascinating and and uh, it seems to me the thing that interests me is to is to at least have the knowledge of how you do both, right? Yeah. Like how do you get that delicacy and how do you get that 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 power? Like that that seems to that that's intriguing to me. Well, it's I mean you know the the, the you know for for want of a better word the the, the hedge pruning technique of, of the, the, is uh, a lot of people criticize it. You know it it does one thing. It, it jacks trees up and it makes them grow and it makes them keep going and it makes them keep going and you get like thick branches you get thick trunks you get lots of lots of stuff happening because mm-hmm. it's constant the tree's constantly growing you're, you're letting it you're pushing it to grow and you're letting it and stuff like that's happening so that's the technique that you would want to apply to a tree where you're looking for that aesthetic end result whereas if you're looking for something without that isn't then again it's that going back to a horse and trying to you're telling it to do two different things you know if you want to just have a gentle meander around a, a, a field you don't get on a racehorse there's jack full of steroids mm-hmm. right yeah right yeah yeah you, you get on an old old horse who's quite happy just to have a, a nibble on some grass at the end of the day yeah and a rub down yeah that's sometimes. a good that's a good analogy. I like that one the best so far. That was good. <laughs> you know, get on <laughs> a horse pumped up with steroids. That's amazing. Well, I, I don't. I think. I think like at least the deciduous discussion, as it feels like it's being had uh, currently, and obviously, like that's a this is a big broad brushstroke. There are some super high level deciduous practitioners. Uh, you know, in every part of the world, but like, it seems like the the debates around hedge pruning and and how you handle things assumes that everybody's trying to accomplish the same thing with every single yeah, tree, yeah, and it's just yeah. like, man, 
the the ability to take this knowledge and and, and nuance it and nuance mm-hmm. it to to the character of the tree and um it, it the, only makes sense yeah there's also the desire of the of the person who's making it it's like you should be making things that reflect your aesthetic tastes and what you're wanting to achieve and you know that's all that's different for different people so uh, just having an understanding of that of, of what you're trying to achieve uh, to, to begin with i think is, is where most people need to start uh and then okay well how do i achieve that yeah um, what te- what technique wh- which of these deciduous techniques which how aggressive do i apply these techniques or how softly softly do i go with the fertilizing and, and things like that is all just play into that but at yeah. the end the the, the the first point the start off point is like what am i looking to achieve with this tree or with my bonsai designs and practices yeah. am i looking to recreate a japanese image am i looking to recreate something very kind of like loose and um and wild or am i looking to create something that's hedge pruned or like sheep nibbled mm-hmm. you know like the, the some of the images that you'll see like in the the, the british landscape you know super high really dense hawthorn hedges that have been pruned back by generations of you know of animals just grazing on them grazing on them and stuff like that so it all depends what you're trying to achieve yeah interesting so that's the start and the end point of any conversation do you do i mean do you feel like at this point uh, where you're at with your bonsai approach that that you're developing more tools to be managing trees in a intentional direction yeah yeah it 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 uh yeah it's it's interesting to try and push push those limits and explore those new territories because there's bound to be a lot of failure before you're like oh at least that's how i feel anyways yeah i mean it helps I mean, I do a lot more kind of working on clients' trees than I would. I think that you would be doing, like going out to people's collections and working on them, um, and making the trees that they want, as opposed to making the trees that I want. I hate just for like you know customers to say, "Well, make it how you want, Peter." You know, like, I leave it up to you. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, I, I, yeah, I got my fine, own trees. I got my own trees to do that with. <laughs> if I, <laughs> just go if home. I do stuff yeah you know we've got to make a tree together and make it look how you want it to and you've got to have some ownership of this you know and some of my customers are 100 percent down the line japanese aesthetic and they love that whole thing and I, i'm absolutely fine with that and then apply the techniques to, to their trees that are required you know with you want the the kind of like the tweaks that are, are required for the, the british environment and you know understanding that you can't get that same level of, of um ramification on maples and tridents and particularly korean hornbeams and things like that that you can do in japan just because lower sunlight levels lower heat levels mm-hmm. shorter growing season stuff like that so but you know trying to apply those techniques to, to to achieve that aesthetic and then coming home and, and sometimes doing something very very different to, to my own tree so that, that kind of like constantly flip-flopping between two ideas they're not hugely different ideas by any stretch of the imagination, but just you know, trying to fit in with other people's ideas to to the, to the bigger picture, I think does help. Do you um do you like, or are there varieties that that you like? I I should say um 
in terms of like the dwarf cultivars of palmatum or any of the you know the arakawas the shishigashiras the the segans the kotohimes like is any of those that that you that you really like working with um i mean they've all got their own challenges and and, and benefits to them i mean they've all got their own little beauties and and things like that so like at the moment i've got some customers trees here that uh benny chidori and a sagan and there's one of my shojos next to it so you've got these three completely different like leaf characteristics which are all bursting out in really good colors and stuff like that so it's glorious to see mm-hmm. um but I, unless you're kind of doing like i would say hundreds of them it doesn't really make you know you can it, it's difficult to say like oh i really much prefer this one this species as opposed to like this tree because the, the the sagan for example like it's unfortunately it's got a little bit weak um last year the person who had it you know made a few user errors with the watering um and it's a little bit weak so you can't say that like you know sagan are really difficult to work with because i've only got a pool of one to be working on yeah and stuff like that. so it's yeah, I mean, I take them as individual trees i i would say rather than kind of like the varieties but I mean, definitely like Shishikashira and things like that. They've got a different growth habit for sure. You know, they're much sort of slower developing. And so that's got a bit more of a, kind of like a, a slow burning approach than, than say a slightly coarse variety like the Arakawa. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't have favorites or, or anything like that really, personally. Just take it, take every tree as it comes. Do uh, are there nuances to Sagan and Jishojo and 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 these specialty cultivars? Like I I I assume yeah, that, I mean, that there are, but it's like how how big are those nuances? Because like if I think, and again, I'm just going to use the black pine as a as a blunt object. You know, you're talking about uh, you've got sort of your standard standard Pinus thumbergii, and then and then you start to get into the, the specialty cultivars you still decant yeah. them you still needle pluck to distribute energy some of them are going to have shorter needles some of them are going to be more prolific in bud production but there isn't a there isn't a i don't have to dramatically change the way no. that i go about it right but with japanese maples is is, is there dr- dramatic changes not dramatic changes it's just like how hard you have to like you know for arakawa can be a little bit coarse you know they can grow out rapidly and get away from you they can drop branches a little bit easier than uh, than just a standard palmate. The same thing with Sagan. Um, and then like with Sagan, they can do, you know, the, the node length can often be a lot, you, they can clump together a little bit more. So you might have to do a little bit more thinning out of, of you know, the particular buds this sort of time of year when the things are just sort of coming out. Uh, the same with like uh, Shishikashira and things like that, where you get these, the, 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 particularly like the shorter node ones where they just clump together, that, that thinning out aspect of, of that and uh, making sure that you're not getting just stubby little growths and yeah. things like that. Yeah, just happening. You you have to do that a little bit more, but you, you'd still be doing that on a palmatum anyway, on a standard, you know, the bog standard mountain maple. Yeah. Um, and but even there, I mean, like there's, you can have one mountain maple that, that that behaves really well, and one that just wants to to send out 15 shoots from one node you know, just sort of genetically. And so it is get, kind of like getting to know the, the, the trees and like as individuals um, and how they respond as much as just kind of like the, the individual varieties and things like that. Are, are any of them, like with Arakawa, 
I kind of, it's kind of common, or at least I feel like I've seen it uh, more than I've seen it on other species of palmatum where the apex seems to get really, really weak and the lower branches seem to be very, very vigorous. Are there, are there, species of palmatum that have weaker apexes to lower portions of the trunk or is that not is that unrelated in terms of arakawa and just a cultivation error issue yeah i would say i mean you do tend to see those things happening a little bit more with some of the more exotic varieties mm-hmm. um particularly well i don't know really. yeah it's, again it's hard to say there's so I mean, many other factors that create so many other weakness. Factors, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you would sort of tend to see like a bit more branch, like major branch drop on arakawas and apexes going and things like that. You tend to see that perhaps more than you would definitely more. And with Sagan and things like that, they'll, they'll, they'll drop their branches at a slight nudge. Whereas, you know, you could beat up a, a, a standard palmatum for the most part and it'll keep coming back. Yeah. I feel like it's the same way though. I feel like that's the same way with with uh, with almost anything. When you get into the specialty cultivars, you're just dealing with a, a slight impediment to the normal normal habit. Yeah, right. Like that's all it is. Cork yeah. bark elms, Yatsubusa elms, compared to just a pure Chinese elm, it's like yeah, this you know. Although although and w- especially when you get into when you get into the really small varieties, um, it, it it really does change change things to a degree. But it's like. Um, you still have a responsibility to maintain just health and vigor in general. I mean, cork bark black pine is, is mm. uh, with Arakawa, I think about cork bark black pine all the time. Just like, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense. You know, you got a mut- mutant out there. Yeah. And all you, I mean, like, just you just apply less wire. You just do less aggressive things to it. You just, you know, prioritize the, I mean, because like most of the cork bark, the old cork bark pines in Japan are just, they're, they're just ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no structure to them. Right. They're just they're just old ancient trees that have got a couple of branches in half decent places. You wouldn't say that they're aesthetically pleasing designs. Right. They're just survivors. Right. Right. <laughs> um. And you know, you but you compare them aesthetically to a to a standard black pine, and it's always going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, from a from a design perspective, like you know, first branch, second branch, blah blah blah. And you you just have to approach some of the, the the cultivars from a different perspective as well and that's one thing that a lot of people i find that you know they're, they're trying to 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 expect a shishikashira to behave in the same way as a, as a standard palmatum or as trident maple or they want the same level of ramification on an arakawa that they can get on a on a on a trident maple it's just like you know, it's just not i mean your expectations are the uh, the thing that are at fault not the tree mm-hmm. and people just got to have I think more understanding of what is good for an Arakawa or what is good for a Shishigashira. Um, yeah, and just compare those as opposed to comparing them against their cousins. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense when you just sit down and think about it for a minute and kind of kind of look at the mechanisms that are at play and 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 how those mechanisms are are handled over the course of time. But it's uh you know, it's like that commonsensical aspect of bonsai that uh, that once somebody illustrates it for you, you look at it and you're like, "God, why didn't I think of that?" It's it, it, mm. the, the solution is there, and it's it's not that far out of reach. But it's like at the same time, it's not intuitive. Bonsai is not intuitive. <sighs> That's not intuitive for anybody. I'm uh, sorry, it's just uh, not. It's 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 a developed skill set. Some people have a higher propensity 
to interpret this sort of voiceless or at least uh, I would say a silent communicator that is the tree. But like, man, it, it's always going to be a challenge, I, I would think. I think people try to make it more complicated than it really is as well mm, interesting I think they, try, they think the what you say is very true but they i think people try and come up with like because it's difficult to understand i think people try and come up with like super complicated answers yeah when in actual fact i think most of the answers are pretty simple and straightforward yeah yeah it's yeah just very it's just that. very different it's very difficult to apply those answers <laughs> in in real life situations well know. it takes work it takes work i, I feel it i feel like effort commitment commitment dedication discipline. A, a lot of discipline i i feel like bonsai is a discipline as much as it is <laughs> which i guess with any practice it's not like uh you know if you're doing yoga to reap the benefits of yoga you can not do yoga and benefit from yoga right like <laughs> you get you, you gotta sweat your you ass off yoga and, on instagram right and you'll benefit from it. And then and you're going to be healthier. <laughs> and you'll be a yoga expert. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like bonsai, no, no, matter, no matter how much you know, it's like, okay, you know you need to do that. Are you doing it? And, and yeah. a majority of the answer is no. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> even for myself, it's like, I know I need to be doing that. Now, I, I feel like mm -hmm. it's more like, I, I feel like you hit the nail on the head when you just said, look, like time constraints, the realities of things. Mm. Yeah, during the during during this whole pandemic thing, like getting to double down on my investment on site in the trees has been super super uh, insightful for me to be like, oh, I I, I got to be here. I just have to be here. Mm. You have to be here, and, and even to the degree where you're trying to provide that kind of, say, for example, you got a chunky palmatum and a delicate palmatum, and the different <laughs> fertilization approaches and different timings and pinching and partial defoliation and you know, handling a black pine that's two years out of a repot versus one year out of a repot versus four years out of a repot and um, and the nuances of each of those. So that you got to be there every single day. You got to be there every single yeah. day doing that. And that's the difference between Japanese bonsai and bonsai elsewhere, I feel like now think, at this point. Like one of the things I tried to drill into people is to not leave the intervals between when they interact with their trees too long because people forget like you'll sit down in a workshop or you give people advice like this is what you got to do and you like okay so for this month this is what you're gonna do and then next month thing you'll be doing and it, it's forgotten like most of it's forgotten you know by the time they've got home mm -hmm. and like every time that they people then come to the trees like they've got to start again from scratch it's like well what am i supposed to be doing uh, and they get confused and they just fall back on this kind of like oh i'll just pinch it Whereas if you're kind of like looking at the tree all the time, you know, every day and thinking, okay, well, I've got to wait before I pinch that lower branch, but I'm going to start pinching the apex. And like that. that kind of like how you remember it, it's just through the the, the frequency with how you're, you're kind of like interacting with the trees. And if you like quite often you, people say, well, how do you remember like when you last repotted that tree? Or how do you like remember what you're doing with all of these different trees? When you've got like 800 trees on site and stuff like that. So well, you just do. You just do, yeah. You just do because you because you're constantly doing it. You're constantly looking at the trees, and it's just it's there bubbling away in the back of your mind. It's not getting kicked out by oh, I've got to go and unblock the toilet or you know like do other you know boring things. Mm -hmm. You know, you, it's just like that constantly kind of like interacting with them keeps the what's ne like necessary to do at the forefront of your mind, and like particularly with the, the differences between the two, the, you know, like you're saying about a big chunky maple and a, and a delicate maple. If you forget about what you're trying to achieve, 
because you've not thought about it for two weeks, then you come to it, you're just going to treat them both the same because they're both a maple. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you haven't got a lot of time to sort of come back and sort of revisit what's been going on. Yeah. Or if you haven't just been observing it on a daily basis through the process, right? Yeah. When uh, when you think about like the 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 truly truly innovative or truly uh, proficient deciduous practitioners in Japan, what names come to mind? Um, Shimizu mm-hmm. in Kanto area is probably the best guy who's around at the moment. Um, what what species is Shimizu son working with? Uh, most deciduous stuff really almost but he's he's the only guy who can work with um styrax yeah. pretty much i've been to is he is he out by fukaya out in that region of the Kanto? yeah bef- yeah just sort of before that yeah 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 i've been to i went to his place before i started my apprenticeship and his styrax were like something that really were, was really special i was just like yeah. what in the world what's up satomi oh she can't hear you oh ryan says hello Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Long time no see. I've got an earphone in. That's what's Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. His Styrax were were legit. So he's 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 uh he's as good as they get at the moment. Do, I mean, people uh, well, talk about I mean, Abihara like, at, at uh, the moment. Like at the moment, you've got to be good at deciduous for like twenty five thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. yeah. <laughs> it's not like suddenly just somebody new comes on the block. It's, but yeah, um, there's him. Uh, Ebihara, obviously, he's kind of um, he he had to quit bonsai a few years ago. Um, he's not doing it. He sur- he survived his bout with cancer. Yeah, he survived. He survived his cancer, but it, he he sold everything, and and um, I think he's still pretty weak. Mm-hmm. I've not seen him or or heard much about him. Uh, but there's the guy that he used to work with um, at Squidder who was uh, big into with Satsuki's as well. Like those, those two were kind of like, I would say master and apprentice because they were both kind of on the same level, but they, they, they teamed up and um, they, they did a lot of work. Uh, but Skuda, he was, he, he did like a lot of the same techniques uh, as Ebihara, but he unfortunately uh, business-wise wasn't um, as fortunate as some of the other people. Gotcha. Um, and then over in Nagoya area, there's there's plenty of, of, of like good growers. Um, I forget the name of the guy. I bought loads of trees off of him. His name won't come to, to my mind at the moment. But um, yeah, there's there's a few good people out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they 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 specialize in it a lot. And the one thing that is very kind of like common to them is that they stay at home all the time. Yeah, they're not kind of like out at auctions and out all over the place a lot they, they do a lot of staying at home it's either, and a lot of them also have um uh very good wives who are very good at defoliating and watering and doing a lot of the kind of the, the more menial tasks because there's just such a huge workload on them mm-hmm. that they need extra pairs of hands yeah yeah and and yeah, for those high level, I, I guess I look at the coniferous model and and the the apprentice master relationship seems to really dominate the coniferous model. But I I don't feel like the deciduous model follows that as much. But I I don't know that. It's just observationally, it's like oh I don't you don't see a lot of deciduous specialists that have apprentices as well. No, no, not really. I mean, like Fuyuan has obviously has had some apprentices um, pass through there. 
Um, and then you'll get places like ITN, which are very good at deciduous for sure, um, particularly all the tridents and the tridents and rocks. I mean, that's basically they were the the, the kings of that. Um, but then they've also, you know, the the black pines and um, and everything. So, you know, you know, they're multi-species specialists and stuff. So their you know apprentices are um, get that wide uh, range of education. But you like the real sort of specific. Um, deciduous people don't yeah they don't tend to to take on apprentices i would say because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're all a bit strange <laughs> all a bit strange yes and now we've broken through and like particularly ebihara because like he used to come around um to the chiefs a lot because they um both studied uh kado uh, together um back in the I day didn't, i didn't realize ebihara was a part of that crew yeah, there was five of them that did it. Um, five bonsai professionals that did it. The chief was one of them, uh, and Ebihara was another. So they, he was he was part of that. Um, and he used to come around quite frequently when I was when I was there. Um, and he said, "It's like, well, you know, if you were going to um, to to university, to college, to get an education, you would spend, you know, like ten thousand dollars a year on tuition, right?" If you come and study with me, you should be paying me ten thousand dollars a year because mm-hmm. you're going to get that level of education, right? And that was his kind of approach to to kind of um, apprenticing, because he'd never apprenticed to anybody, so he just he was an enthusiast who took it to an extreme level um, of, of, of of you know of professionalism, I would say, uh, or technique. Um, so he didn't apprentice to anybody. So he had he didn't really have that understanding of the importance of a of an apprenticeship model and as a result his skills are now in the wind yeah and and i would say uh, being i would say be maybe even being utilized as marketing tools right when 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 you look at abihara's techniques although there's a lot of interpretation does anybody actually understand the nuances you know like that that yeah I, it, some people have it's come up quite a bit recently um Somebody asked me about doing the Abihara technique for repotting. I was like, well, what's that? I mean, what is it? Yeah, I, and, I don't understand that either. Yeah, and sort of saying about um, putting it on a board and and then repotting it and putting all the roots out and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, that is a, a it's a legitimate technique, but I've seen it applied to, to very badly. Um, and I had to salvage a tree that had had that done to it. It had been planted on a, a plastic board no holes had been drilled through the, the, the board and the, the board was then put into a, into a plastic pot where the board was the same size. And basically it was just water sitting underneath this, this, this trunk and just roots were rotting away. And so yeah. it's kind of like, what were you thinking? You have absolutely no idea of, of what this technique's purpose was. And it was, it was on a tree which had a really, it was an old tree which had a really good, well-developed nabari. It didn't need anything doing to it. And it was just kind of like what were you thinking yeah. whoever it was that did it to it. um and so yeah just this kind of like application of, of technique unnecessarily or without fully understanding what's necessary because you can achieve a a very good looking nabari just through through just a, like normal repotting and just going through conscientiously and saying okay well this root's really strong so i'm going to prune this one back hard i want some extra roots to develop here these roots are weak i'm not going to touch them and when i repot it i'm going to lay those out and in the direction that i want them to grow and be very careful when i put the soil on top of it i'm not going to work it in too much 
you know, you could do the same sort of thing there. Yeah. You don't have you don't have to go to that level of like pinning things down onto boards and things like that. Yeah. So because you can you can often end up like you know the, doing things badly and affecting a tree to the to, to the detriment of it. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, by thinking I'm gonna I'm I'm taking this to to a, a really complicated level. The more things that you do to it, the more possibility you can have to to mess things up. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. It seems to me, seems to me, simplifying things continues to be the 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 recipe for success. Because <laughs> the more complex yeah. it gets, if it gets too complex, you're messing up. You're definitely messing up. Yeah. But the more, the more things that you have can go wrong, will go wrong, and so and ultimately it comes down to just making sure the tree's healthy first and foremost. That's where it comes down to. I feel like that complexity has been glorified so much, though you know the rat the radical transformations of mr kimura or the frankenstein approach of abihara you know in these in these one-off circumstances where the technique actually yeah. worked and it was put in kimbone magazine and the world thinks that's how you do it now it's like you gotta be careful with that stuff i i, yeah. I feel like as consumers of bonsai knowledge the the their the, abihara to accomplish what he accomplished mr kimura to accomplish what he accomplished the chief to accomplish what he accomplished um, you know, it's like you, you, you have to respect it, but also there's got to also be a, a filtration or intelligence to the digestion of that, uh, yeah. of that work, because it's a lot of times the most ostentatious work is not common work. And a lot of times it also either was, was a product that came out of necessity more than mm -hmm. like a desire, like I'm going to do this. It's like you were handling the tree at that moment in time and that's what it took. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about like all the, like the Ebihara trees, for example, the minute they left his garden, they all went to shit. Yeah. Because they needed specific things doing to them. Yeah. They needed that constant attention. That's not to say that other deciduous trees from other people don't um don't don't have that happen to them, but it was a very common thing for him. And he would almost refuse to sell them to people unless they kept kept them at his garden. Mm -hmm. And so from a commercial perspective, it, he was you know, he would ask like ridiculous sums of money um, for the work that was done onto, onto things and then was asking incredible amounts like per year for boarding fees for all the incredible amount of work that was needed to, to achieve something. And the, like the difference between that and a, a more sort of traditionally made tree, how many people can actually kind of like really fully appreciate it? It was, you know, and that's where he kind of like, he he struggled mm -hmm. uh, within the wide bonsai community. Sure, yeah. makes sense. It makes sense though. Like uh, when you when you modify, if you just consider if you just consider the xylem or the vascular structure of water conductivity, it's a straw. And then if you take that mm -hmm. straw and you cut it in half and you try to repiece it back together, you're never going to get the straw reconstituted as as that single yeah. linear transport of water. So now you got it misaligned, and you got hundreds of those. Yeah, and you got to do stuff to keep that tree yeah. alive. I mean, this was like the, this was like the notion of Mr. Kimura. Instead of doing a wedge cut to bending a pine, he'd take a drill and he'd auger out the mm. entire core of the pine. You know, and it's like, yeah. well, you got to do stuff to keep that tree alive. You know, it allows you to bend mm. things more severely, but the aftercare of that, not just for like a year or two, but for the rest of that tree's life, is completely altered for the for yeah. its for its duration. 
Yeah. Feels feels it feels interesting. I mean, it's amazing to explore the outer boundaries, and it's also not the general practice of uh, of bonsai that's set up for success, right? You you have to you have to really be seeking that answer and that curiosity, and then you gotta understand what you've done to yourself or that tree that 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 now yeah. you're, you're you're bound to it for life. Yeah, I mean, he was always very much kind of like wanting to to see what was possible, not just with with um with maples but also he did a lot of work with zisha and things like that and just you know how quickly he could get them to to develop he's a, um, he, he was a he was a genius though i mean the guy he absolutely undeniable the, this 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 kind of innovation uh and physiological knowledge to pull it off is like yeah, yeah. I, I mean truly next level truly next level and, and he was very he, he he worked very specifically with with certain varieties like a lot of benny chidori you know he he, he didn't he specialized to a very very high degree um you know he knew what he was dealing with all the time there was a lot of kind of genetic similarity across a lot of of, of what he worked on so it was predictable and that was that sort of predictability that that made him enabled him to to, to do a lot of the things that he that he did it's interesting uh, so he knew when it wasn't he knew when it wasn't going well. He knew what not going well looked like and he knew what not going yeah. well, how he changed it to get it to go get back on the rails. Yeah. 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 That kind of focus, discipline, attention, that's badass. This uh, I got yeah, I knew it respect. Was. Yeah, absolutely. It's just you know, wider world application. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's the difficulty. Uh and that's where, you know, you have to try and take the good parts of it and, and find out what's usable about that. And then, uh, um, understand why some of the other parts aren't usable, you know, in a wider aspect. And then maybe you can come to a, a similar end result, but through a different, different path. Do you, do you find yourself wanting to specialize more now or do you, are, are you broadening? No, I'd say no, I would say broadening, but naturally kind of falling into into the trees that work for me a lot more, um, and getting rid of stuff that doesn't. I had a, I had a bit of a clear out in in the spring of stuff that I'd either lost interest in or the trees had lost interest in me, um, and yeah, just try to lighten the load a little bit. But yeah, like species wise, we're, we're down to a, we're not like massively wide ranging. Mm-hmm. I think people naturally do that. That will sort of tend to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Because hmm. <laughs> you, everyone's kind of you, you, your your approach is definitely kind of um, some trees respond very well to it, and other trees don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you, your garden, your environment. You know, some trees you can work with with great success, and others like Sabinas. For me, I'm just like. Oh. I'm like, I can't wait for the last one to die, sort of thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, prolonging the 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 misery, uh, making you suffer the entire time. Why did I bother? But you know, and then other people have great success with them, so it's just kind of like, and you can go through logically why they they like you or they don't like you, and sometimes you can come up with a good answer and you can solve the problem, and other times it's just like. Maybe we're just not meant to be together. Right, right. We should go <laughs> our separate I'll, ways. I'll, yeah, and I'll focus on taxes, uh, you know, because like I can grow them with my eyes closed and, you know, I don't even have to think about it. And I couldn't explain why 
a lot of the times, you know, it's God, if there was one, if there was one species that I could take from Europe, it would be Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got serious envy. The Bacata, yeah. uh, it's just like such a, it's such a monumental bone size species. It really is. It is. It's in it it, the shapes and the growth habit and the day. De- it's just like got the whole package. I really, but they can become too vigorous and they can, they can become too dense. Like I've got one that I'm, I'm trying desperately now to kind of like put the brakes on because the, the thickness of the live vein is going to start to a uh, couple, th- couple, couple, three years. It's just too, it's pumping too much. I'm yeah. like, we're going to become out of balance so they can be too a little bit too vigorous yeah that that's a that's something that i I also think isn't considered you know mr uh mr kimura redesigned kariushi which was a famous juniper and uh, everybody criticized it was like it like went over like a fart in church in the japanese bonsai community and uh, everybody criticized he changed the pot which was like a square pot had this upright nature he laid it over on its side what most people don't realize is like he 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 the live vein was becoming so thick on that tree that it was yeah. it was causing inverse taper and he actually went into the live vein and like reduced it and then like patched bark over it so that you couldn't see it and laid it down he was like trying desperately to slow this thing down so that it didn't totally destroy yeah. the tree and that that kind of stuff is 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 next level nuanced but uh yeah. I, I i would like to have bacata if i could yeah. I, I would love yeah. that yeah well I but can't I don't. Make it happen, I'm afraid. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know what. You, I don't know what you're going to do about that. But I, I, you can get some cuttings and you can put them in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. No. Thank you. I gotta. I have one taxis in the garden. I've had a, a handful over the course of my time here. Actually, the Pacific U, the native U to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. There's some pretty phenomenal uh, mm. Pacific U that exist in in a few select individuals' hands that are are, yeah. really, are really spectacular. But we just don't have the we just don't have yeah. the abundance of it. No, it's, it's definitely, and there's, there's one of the trees that you can find good Yamadora in the UK. And like some of my favorite trees here, here are, are UK collected stuff. It's just, they are, they are tidy. Yeah. Um, maybe in five years time, I'll have a, I'll have a taxes only exhibition. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward yeah. to that. Do you think the trophy will happen in uh, 2022? Uh, it's, it's difficult to say. It's difficult to say. Dang it. It all depends on, like, on variants and vaccination rates across Europe and things like that. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to see, a, like, a, a definite end to any of this, kind of, like, going back to, to what it was. What's, uh, what's it like... Well, let me ask you: Has it has it impaired uh, boneside practitioners in the UK with with the UK and the whole Brexit issue and stuff? Has that been an impediment? Uh, it's it's going to start to be for sure. Um, not just that, but also the the cost of shipping anything mm-hmm. around the world now is like ten times, fifteen times what it was, and so like the price of of, of Akadama, for example, or any of the Japanese soils. Um, you're going to be looking at maybe uh, just per bag to ship it from Japan to the UK or anywhere really. Um, it's going to be like fifteen dollars a bag mm-hmm. just for the shipping alone. Yep. And so that's not including by actually buying it if you can get a supplier who's willing to get, let you have your hands on it because it's in such short demand. It's such in short supply at the moment because of the massive demand from China and from the rest of the world. You know, so stuff like that is going to 
be coming into play over the definitely in the next repotting season. Uh, but in terms of plant movement across borders, it's it's had a huge impact. Um, so it's not been seen as much because people haven't been out to Japan um, buying stuff, and so you know, like the the traditional routes of getting trees have dried up because of the of the pandemic anyway. Um, let alone not being able to get them across from Europe easily. It's possible, but it's just it's hard, and it adds considerable cost um so that's it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out mm-hmm. um uh i think it'll give it a couple of years and things will be back to like the you know the, the agencies all have figured out how to do it people have got a better grasp on the paperwork and things and stuff. so we will be able to get material of, across from europe easier right now it's just it's the beginning. It's the newness, the difficulty. Yeah, it is, and it's, and it's, and it's difficult. And the, the difficulty is at the moment is that everything is geared towards big businesses. And so like in small businesses, for example, trying to ship something anywhere, it's just the, the, the cost of it is prohibitive mm-hmm. um, because of the way that the whole transport network was built up across Europe. Right. Um, that has now just essentially disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then until kind of, the other business, like the logistics um, side of things, kind of like figures out a way of, of, of working around that. It's things are going to be a little bit difficult, but you know, to be honest, it's not necessarily a bad thing for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zero and things one out. Of the, one, of, one of the problems that I that we have across here for sure is that there is a there's a a lot of people who are just constantly buying and selling and swapping trees and they're moving from one person to another one person and they don't stay in the same place for long enough to improve and they just get smaller and smaller more people cut more branches off and you know there's there's not the same kind of like okay well i'm going to get this tree and i'm going to work on it for 10 years and i'm going to improve it sort of mentality that you tend to have over there because you know it's harder to get hold of material and people start from scratch a lot more or they build up a a long-term plan with somebody and there's a lot more kind of chopping and changing that goes on over here and that's to the detriment of, of kind of the trees themselves as well as you know improving bonsai skills and knowledge mm-hmm. yeah so, the radical change uh, the big shifts you know i think people need to just be happy with what they've got because at the end of the day like what's important about bonsai what's enjoyable about it is that it's not what how phenomenal a tree you've got it's just it's the process of making it right right that's that's the important thing and it shouldn't matter whether you're doing it on a five dollar tree or a five thousand dollar tree or a fifty thousand dollar tree I mean, really it's essentially the same thing right it just hurts a little bit more if it's fifty thousand <laughs> i'd say considerably more honestly <laughs> i'd say considerably more chances yeah. are it's fifty thousand dollars not because it was arbitrary but because it was awesome <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, damn, damn, that sucks. Yeah, I had a tree. Yeah. I had a tree blow off the bench last year that was literally like top five favorite trees in the garden, and it knocked off mm-hmm. the whole apex of it. And I just, I, I haven't, I haven't experienced that kind of a sting yeah. uh, in in a, in a very, very long time. You know, does it still hurt? Yeah, I'm. I look at it every day, and I just think. Uh. I just think out of out of just a you know a momentary oversight, which you could always call it neglect uh, or carelessness or all of the other derogatory terms you could 
call being human, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I lost j- just like 10 years of work on the tree. And it's just like yeah, a constant reminder, a constant painful reminder. I even thought about selling it just so I don't have to look at it. But I still like it that much that I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going well, to weather the storm. I, I, with I'd, you. I'd buy it and then keep it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay to keep it there. That's, that's, <laughs> just, that's just mean-spirited. That's mean spirited, uh, man. No, it's, it's 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 me teaching you a lesson. Oh. <laughs> After 15 years, you'll be like, I'm glad that you did that now. Because every glad. time I looked at it, I thought, what am I not doing on the <laughs> other 799 trees that are here? Right. Uh, but I had something, it wasn't a, you know, a, a, as great as that, but uh, yeah, one of the trees I had got knocked off by a fox or a cat or something. Now, how can you, how can you? Like, yeah. Yeah, not much you can that. do about that, right? Unless you strap every single tree down. It's like, but and it it was pretty annoying. Um, I put it in a in a deep pot and then I just let it go. I forgot about it for six months, and I came back to it. And I thought, all right, well, this is a chance to get rid of all the things that I hated about it, uh, which was the leaf. It was a trident maple. And I was like, well, I hate the leaf characteristics because it's really coarse, ugly growing. All right, so I'm just going to graft in a branch from another tree keep all the bits about this tree that I do like, put in completely different, you know, new foliage on it, and I'm going to start again from scratch. Wow. That's, what, that's probably what I originally wanted to do, but thought this is going to take me far too long. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to carry on as we are. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, <laughs> and then somebody, a higher power, a fox, <laughs> made that decision for me. Boom. And so maybe your tree will uh, it'll end up being uh, a better tree as a result. Just yeah, I'm pretty sure it lost. I'm pretty sure it lost something that's not going to make it better. Yeah, <laughs> no, it lost. It lost. Trying to make you feel better. I man. appreciate it. This, find this isn't the one. Silver lining in the shit sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to be flogging myself right. forever for that one. No, it's see, uh, there's always lemonade to be taken from it, but but doggone it, doggone it, you know. Never mind. Eh? Yeah, that's what makes bonsai interesting. I guess I get. You know what it does? That's what makes when a tree reaches a really beautiful state, you better enjoy yeah. it every day because it's, it's not gonna last. Well, I mean, you hope it does, but there's a chance it doesn't. That's yeah. that's the fact of the matter. Yeah. Well, what's on the horizon for you then? Anything? Uh just waiting to see how things pan out here. I guess. Um, uh, I don't. I can't see international travel happening anytime this year. Yeah. Um, you getting stir crazy at all? You miss being no being out there. You like being home. Uh, it's good. Like it's the same as anything else. There's good and bad about it. I kind of miss going out to Japan a little bit this year, but at the same time, I didn't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to to not go. Uh, I miss seeing some of the trees that you know. Like I wonder about a lot of the trees. At, different customers places and places I can't go to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wonder, I, I worry for them or not necessarily worry, but I, I wonder how they're doing. Um, so, you know, like it would be, it would be heartbreaking to go to, to those collections and then see things have deteriorated. But yeah. Yeah. Such is life, such is life. Um, but no, I don't know. Just see how things kind of just rebuilding the workshop a little bit at the moment, doing some stuff tidying the garden up, making it how it should always have been. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got lazy and didn't tidy things up as much as I should have done. Yeah. Uh, learning from mistakes. 
I think is, is what I'm, I'm doing this year. Yeah. Streamlining things and making things a bit easier to deal with. Nice. I mean, what better what better thing to do when you have the time to do it? Because once you know, once the lid is yeah. once the lid's off and the can of worms is opened again, it's going to be back to the races, or at least may, yeah, may, maybe 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 things never. You know, there's no going backwards. Maybe things never go yeah. back to the way. I have a feeling, though. You know, the, the fickle nature of the human mind. The, the second that there's not a limitation, people are going to be like, "Let's party, let's rock out." Yeah, I mean, people, uh, like definitely with other lockdowns and like opening them up. That happened a lot here. But so far, like after this time has opened up, I think people are a little bit more kind of like, we've been through it a few times and so it's not as bad here. So we'll see. We'll see. It all depends on like how much the world gets vaccinated and and how that can kind of like put a dampener on things. Mm -hmm. And if we can, if we can live with it without, you know, health services becoming swamped. Yeah, yeah, well, stuff like that, but we'll see how it goes. But I don't want the Rona. I don't want the Rona. No, no, I don't want it either. No. I don't want like that's the worst thing. It's like just like getting long COVID or something like that. Just being, you know, completely because I know a couple of people have have got it and just like you know shadows of their former selves. Really, even no like kidding. A, even a, even like a year afterwards, it's just kind of like, you know, struggle Oof. getting out of bed some days and things like that. It's like, oh, man. Damn, what a brutal, brutal yeah. thing. Yeah. It's crazy. So, and that's, that's, that's where the, like the long-term effects of all this is going to really, it's not that people have died so much. I mean, obviously that's you know, an absolutely terrible thing, but there's a lot of people who are being affected by it that are going to still be around. And it's, yeah. You know, it's, that's that's where we're really gonna feel it really hard. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope. I hope things progress in the in a positive direction. But um, yeah, best thing you could do take care take take care of the health and hope for the best. I guess. Best thing you can do is look after the trees because that's the thing that gets you through. I yeah. Mean, I hope, yeah. I hope. I mean, hopefully, like people will, will be a lot more appreciative of. of you know the natural world and things like that, and and see a see a, a benefit of doing bonsai. I'd like to, I'd like to to do, uh, I'd do more of that. I think in the future, kind of maybe get involved with some mental health charities or something like that, and mm -hmm. see where like bonsai could be could fit into that. You know, even just having people just come around and look at the trees and use it as a place to chill out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, absolutely. And and just get away from it for a while, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think there's there's some people in the United States that are that are using bonsai in that capacity and it, I I find that to be really admirable uh and and productive, honestly. Like that what better service could bonsai could bonsai provide than uh giving people some mental peace, space? turn it off for a minute, you know, just mm. enjoy yourself, find that connection, find that relationship or intention, all that stuff. I, I still feel like that's the greatest purpose bones I can serve is, is a vehicle to raise that kind of understanding and awareness and whatnot. You're just kicking me in the head. Then. No, no. I, uh, we have a series of, um, over the course of the year, there are different bugs that occupy our office. Ah. Currently we've got stink bugs. 
that are in uh, copious supply. So I was just adjusting uh, the stink bug on my computer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would kick you if you were here, but you're not. You know, so it's, you know, a, a virtual kick across a, the a across kick. the Atlantic. Yeah, right. right. What's the, what's next on the horizon for you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Mm. Actually, um, rebuilding my house. Rebuilding my house is, uh, is, is um, we're building the fence for the deciduous facility because why wouldn't, um, why wouldn't we? It'll make things a lot easier. I move all of the deciduous trees into the workshop every night and out into the garden every morning. Uh, so it's a real, it's a real pain in my ass. um so i'm excited but uh no you know i mean like i i've had to really there's good to be taken from everything my house being vandalized uh you know gave gave me a lot of pause on uh trajectory and what's a priority and uh and and you know what this journey is all about for me so um rebuilding it better better more intentionally uh more sustainably that's that's the goal for this year is to is to try and get Mariah. You know, it's funny we April fifteenth we rolled over. That was the mm. the day that I closed on Mariah in two thousand ten, and uh, the first day that I closed on the property, I gutted the house. So it's interesting that as I roll into my eleventh year, you know, ten years later, I didn't think I'd be going backwards, but I'm 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 starting from the same point, which is which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's not going backwards. It's just doing the same thing again. <laughs> That's called going backwards, brother. It's not, man. It's not. Uh, you, you, you do you because you, you you're doing the same thing, but you do it with experience. Yeah, you know? yeah. It'll be it'll be better. It'll be better. I I actually it, it um you know ten years. There's a lot of detritus that accumulates in life, and uh, yeah. and it, and it and it sort get a of get skip throw it all out (laughs) basically that's what happened is you know every possession that i had i think i had like like six pairs of pants and a couple of t-shirts that that made it through the whole thing like a majority of things were pretty much destroyed so it made it made it pretty effortless to uh coal unnecessary things detached from material possessions and then and maybe uh maybe think about mirai uh, from a perspective that, uh, you know, that accumulation of possessions starts to become a little bit and not possessions like, uh, valuable stuff, just, just stuff, just the accumulation of life, pictures, memories, all that stuff. It's, it's pretty much, you know, it cleaned it all out. Start again. Start. Yeah. Start again, or maybe, uh, maybe not start again, but just move in a direction that that could be better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, could I'm, be. I'm, I'm opting. <laughs> well, yeah, will be. I like it. I like where your head is at. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I kind of doing a similar thing on a on a smaller scale. Just kind of like looked at the workshop and thought, this is just, I've just got an accumulation of crap stuff that has been sitting around for five years. Maybe I might use it one day. Yeah, I've not used it now. I'm going to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. And this space is really what I thought how I would be using it. I'm not. I'm just it's just a storage room yeah for stuff i'm not using so i'm ripping it all out i'm gonna make a little area where i can display some trees and enjoy it and actually kind of like enjoy bonsai for once nice nice so, 
I do genuinely, I do genuinely feel like when I like see your work, I, I read you the posts on social media, and I talk to you. I do do genuinely feel like you enjoy bonsai more now than ever. Yeah. Don't be so enthusiastic, man. I mean, it's like you know. No, no, <laughs> no. It's it, it's yeah. yeah it's it, it gets it actually. Gets... I don't really like bonsai that much. <laughs> there have been times where it has been just oh, like a pain. I, I agree with you. Awful. I agree. Um, uh, but something keeps you going, and it's that dream of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of like I've called a lot of the trees that, that weren't really interesting for me. Um, looking at stuff in the garden, it's like, well, okay, well, what would I sell now? And um, there's not a whole lot that I don't want to at least see through to another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm happy with all the trees and I don't want like uh, do you not do you miss going to Japan and getting new material I'm like not really mm-hmm. what what do I need I've got most of the stuff here now um I just want to see them progress now and keep improving and see, uh, polish the skills that are necessary for doing that yeah 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 I I, I, I respect that uh, and then on top of that, like, how am I going to be able to then enjoy them a bit more in the garden, enjoy them a bit more, uh, you know, now that they're starting to, to become bonsai and like, you know, display wise and things like that. So making a space to do that. You find yourself gravitating, you find yourself gravitating uh, in any direction in regards to the ceramics that you select. Obviously, it's going to be tree by tree specific, <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm curious about this because I... I've I've seen I've seen a lot of different sort of movements in in ceramic thought. It's it's there's a whole narrative arc to the ceramic body. I I, I I'm just curious where you're at now. Uh, well, I moved all like I had all the, the the pots and stuff in the workshop, and I moved them all outside. I've got like a, an outdoor workspace where I do all the repotting stuff, and I built some shelves there, and I put them all up there. And I sort of stood back and had them arranged, and like they're all unglazed wood fired stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! I just just fallen into such a pattern. I'm like, but I really don't mind. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm quite happy with my choices here. A pattern that I like a lot. It's just, it works for me. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and like, I had these. Like, I bought four square uh, wood fired pots by the French potters and then those. I I really love their stuff. Um, and I used them all this year, pretty much. I'm just like, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was deliberately trying to do it it just happened i'm like all right I, if you want to categorize me in that way then i'm i'm happy with that yeah yeah well i mean why why uh why the unglaze like did did color become uh less appealing to you did the glaze fo- bo- body suddenly i don't know what well, i i suppose like the what i like like in the japanese aesthetic is the the, the glaze stuff that's got patina to it like, a lot of patina to it uh like all the the old shirokochis and things like that where they've got that just real deep and i just you know using those and being around those a lot it's like if it's not that then like shiny bright stuff doesn't really do the same for me um i would say so yeah perhaps that but i do have some some cod stuff but i i, I suppose i tend to use those they're on trees more 
Don't know really. Mm. I'd like to get my hands on a few more Tom Benders, but that's hard. Don't we all? Don't yeah. we all? That is hard to to do. That is hard to do. That is hard to do. It's like somebody's got somebody's got the uh, got the man on lockdown. And it's it's not me. <laughs> oh, trust me. <laughs> trust me. It's Tom ben, Tom Benda. Tom Benda is his own person, man. That, yeah. that dude does what he wants, and and yeah. I, I take what I I take what I get from Tom yeah. Benda. I don't get to I don't get to call it. I don't get to select it. <laughs> I I really I really respect Tom from the perspective that yeah. Tom Tom is the master of his own domain, and if you want to if you want to engage, then mm. then then you engage on his terms, and good on him. Yeah, you know, like yeah, absolutely. I, I I would like to I would like to. I respect that approach and I would like to incorporate more of that, you know, not to be ex exclusive by any stretch of the imagination as inclusive as possible seems to be the route towards bones. I have the most positive impact, but oh, yeah, yeah. you know, being able to make, being able to make decisions that are right, uh, for myself artistically, professionally, etc. Uh, bones is such a, um, a, ta a, a pursuit of chasing your own tail try and figure out how to be yeah. able to do this uh on a daily basis as a professional that you end up not doing it on a daily basis at all just trying to figure out how to do it on a daily basis <laughs> yeah. you know which is like such an interesting thing i gotta be i gotta be honest though i mean my team right now and and, and mariah like i'm doing more bonsai than i've done in a long time which feels really really freaking good this yeah. year's repotting season has just been mo monumental monumental from like a uh, uh you know sort of exploring sixth gear again you know which is like those extra those extra times spent on the repotting bench where i just didn't have it in me the past few years yeah to sit and do that and this year it's like no i'm gonna do one more tree or i'm gonna put forth the extra effort to make the, this this particular tree at this moment that much more special and that that felt good that felt cathartic and to a large degree but yeah you i mean throughout your, your career you'll have ebbs and flows like that i mean the new greenhouse, I think, will be playing a big part to that. You know, you've got the space to do it. Yeah. Around yeah. And over the last couple of years, you've been focused on building it. Yep. Or the space that you're in wasn't as conducive. It was a bit cramped and things like that. So yep. it's the space that makes it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, you have to have the infrastructure to be able to branch out or diversify mm. or, or, and that's, that's something. I think like here at Mirai that the creation of the infrastructure is as, is as much a part of the journey as the creation of the trees that exist inside of it. Like it's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a career in itself building a facility. I mean, it's not, it's not something that bonsai professionals are trained to do. Certainly it's not uh, something that, uh, is, is necessarily our proficiency, but it's in, it tends to be, you know, like you look at ceramicists, they make their studio, they make ceramics. You look at woodworkers, yeah. they have their studio, they make woodwork. You look at bonsai professionals, it's like suddenly you're a horticulturalist, you're trying to be some sort of designer, artistic-minded, you're a craftsman, you're a, a gardener, you're a, a yeah. physiologist, pathologist, entomologist, soil science. You got to know enough about ceramics to not be ignorant. You got to know know enough about woodwork to 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 be able to you know at least understand value and perspective and function and is it it's asking a lot. You know you got to be an educator in the Western world to make a living. Be yeah. able be able to compose, organize, and deliver information. It's it's like it's pretty intense. 
Yep. And then you got to sell your trees. <laughs> and then and 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 then and then somehow that's gotta that's gotta be um yeah that's gotta be meeting you where you're at. Yeah, that's one thing that Morimai uh he said to me at one time. Um he's like, you know, bonsai is the only art form where the artist sells the trees themselves. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, that's interesting. Yes. So, I mean, this is true, right? It's true, yeah. especially the Western he's, model. Yeah. And he sort of said that and I was just like Part of you is just trying to justify kind of like your your, your lifestyle. As a, as a broker. <laughs> as a broker. But you're absolutely spot on because it is 100% true. Yeah. Yeah, that's you funny. Know? And then, then there does kind of need to be people who are kind of like specialists at selling trees and galleries. To, to sort of there's a place and there's a need. Them. There's yeah. a place and yeah. a need for it. Yeah. I mean, bonsai, for a bonsai professional to do... Uh, what a bonsai professional does best they need to have the space to do bonsai and to the same way as a ceramicist needs support and a woodworker needs support bonsai professionals need the support to be able to be good bonsai professionals i Uh, I totally agree the problem with the you know sort of the selling of of a tree is that you need to make sure that the person who's buying it knows what they're doing how to look after it and that's absolutely you know somebody who's interested in sales isn't necessarily going to be that keyed up with that definitively not definitively not because motivation is different yeah yeah which is why i I, like you know very few people i'm I'm willing to sell my trees to yeah yeah realistically man i think that's a respectable approach though yeah well i got stung right when i first was starting out in terms of like basing a lot of of my income and my my life on the necessity to sell trees buy and sell trees and i lost a lot of money i lost a lot of years of of getting that money to, to begin with and then you know realized that i never want to be bound to having to sell trees yeah because it's just it's a house built on sand yep yeah the money the, the, uh, the, the, and when the money's gone and the tree's gone it's like well that sucked yeah. <laughs> that sucked. That, that's was that good for you because it wasn't good wasn't good for me you know like that's uh yeah it's a that's an interesting point well hey peter i gotta go because i got a seven-year-old i gotta pick up man but i appreciate you making the time no no it's 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 always good to good to catch up amigo yeah the only time we talk is on a podcast (laughs) yeah well you know like honestly this is the only time i really get to sit down so it's uh well i'm glad you uh you got the chance yeah yeah me too thank you Likewise. No, thank you. It's uh, I appreciate it as always. It's good to catch up. I miss you, man. I miss you too. Someday we'll get to see each other again. Yeah, in real life. In real life, in the flesh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Give uh, give the family a good hello. I got, will do. Got nothing but love for you guys. And you. All right. Farewell. Stay healthy, man. Yes. And you, man. All right, brother. Enjoy. Bye. Bye.